This is why women take it to heart when they ask a guy, so how many women have you been with before me? Children of Yah, you got to understand that is a spiritual question. They want to know how many women did you tie your souls with in the past? you guys are having a beautiful start to the weekend. I hope God has blessed many of you with uh, significant breakthroughs. I hope he's blessed many of you with what the answers you've been looking for. And I hope he's been blessing you with his presence. Amen. But um, today I'm going to talk about quite a heavy topic called soul ties and children yeah i know that there are a lot of christians out there who might not have done things perfectly but you know nonetheless you know it's not a topic that uh we can ignore i mean a lot of christians they don't like to talk about uh soul ties they don't like to talk about their uh their sexual lives and the number of spouses they've been with, the number of partners they've had. A lot of Christians don't like to do it. Even, you know, the religious Pharisees, you know, they look at the ones who, who've who gone through maybe two or three divorces or who've had sex uh, maybe from a promiscuity, uh, a promiscuous standpoint, or maybe they just had, you know, you know, multiple people that, you know, they wanted to be boyfriend and girlfriend with, you know, having sex, but not ever have the having the intention of uh, getting married. But I wanted to talk about soul ties because um, it was weighing heavy in my heart uh, ever since this morning. Ever since this morning, you know, I woke up thinking about soul ties and how much damage, you know, they can do to the walk of a believer, but I'm going to be reading from first Corinthians six sixteen to start off. But before I begin, I want to say a quick prayer. Father God, in your mighty and holy name, I plead the blood of Jesus over this podcast. Once more, allow your power to flow through me. Once more, let your daily bread, regardless of what time it is, let your daily bread be given through this podcast. Let me speak the words of life through this podcast. Allow your spirit to be sown onto the people. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one of my listeners. I plead the blood of Jesus over this microphone. I plead the blood of Jesus over this over this vessel. Do as you will, Father God. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. So going into the going into it, guys. First Corinthians 6 16. Soul ties. Here we go. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. So before we dive into the meat of it, I'll be transparent. Um, so biblically speaking, I've had six wives. You know, six women that I have conjoined flesh with uh, in marriage. And I know this is going to confuse a number of you, but, 
You know, let's remember the woman at the well. Like Jesus told her, you've had five husbands. Well, like she had five husbands, I've had six wives, biblically speaking. Um, And I go over a lot of this in my episode, uh, The Truth Behind No Sex Before Marriage. You know, if you haven't listened to it, I would encourage you to check it out. You know, I explain a lot of it in depth and I'm even going to explain some of it here, but you know, I digress. But um, biblically speaking, I've had six wives, six women that I conjoined flesh with uh, in marriage. And even though I didn't ask God about them and whether or not I should have ever even been with them to begin with, I had the intention of marrying all of them at the time I was with them. Not all at the same time, like, oh, you, 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 you was with six women at the same. No, 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 no. I, I want you guys, don't, don't misunderstand me. This is over a period of maybe, how old am I? This is, this is over a period of maybe 13 or 14 years, you know, I had a stage with, with each woman I've been with. And when each one didn't work out, you know, they took a piece of me, you know, especially my first wife, um, that I could never get back. You know, a lot of us have this story, but, and a lot of us feel that way, you know, when you're with someone and they leave, you feel like there's a certain amount of unfinished business and there's a lot of regret. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of disappointment there, but they all took a piece of me, especially my first wife that I couldn't get back. And because of who they were and because of them not being godly choices Like I said, I went through a lot of pain and a lot of suffering in my own ignorance. The majority of those partners, I wasn't even saved. You know, you know, when I had my first wife, I was just like, all right, I just want to, you know, I I, I had a low self-esteem and my whole mindset was, you know, all right, I'm only going to get as far as I can get. And, you know, eventually I know she's going to leave, so... Let me just let me let me just see how far I could go. And that was my mindset. It wasn't a positive mindset, but it was nonetheless my mindset. But like I said, I did have the intention of being with them because, you know, for me personally, you know, I've never really been a promiscuous guy. I've always been very, very monogamous. So when I find someone and I trust them, I typically give my all because, and I typically shoot for me having a future with them, me having a marriage with them. And back then, you know, I didn't really think that two flesh becoming one was literal. You know, I was one of the people that, you know, I believed in, you know, getting down on one knee, saying I do, the wedding, the gown, the tux, the cake, and and the dance, and and all that. And so that was what I was shooting for when, you know, with uh, each of these six women. But, you know, they all took a part of me and um, it was, uh, you know, there were choices that I regretted uh, quite a bit. And, you know, that along with, um, 
not coming to Jesus sooner. There were just certain things that I just didn't know. You don't know what you don't know until you know. If I had known that this was going to become a thing, I probably would have said, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if I should be with you. I don't know if I should trust you. And sometimes, you know, after the deed is done, it turns into a a completely different situation. Like you see certain things about them that you didn't quite notice before. And some of them, you know, I've even had nightmares about, you know, mostly demonic. And the enemy, the devil would try to plant a seed in my head that I was nothing without them. And every single dream I had regarding my exes, any of my exes, the devil will always try to plant a seed that I always needed them and that I could never move forward without them. And, you know, the enemy also tried to remind me of that same past as a way of trying to keep me in bondage. But the blood of Jesus freed me and reminded me that my future in the kingdom was going to be so much better. And it was. And it was. It took many, many years to get to the point of recognizing what the blood of Jesus could do in my life. But I eventually got there and I eventually became and still becoming the man I always wanted to be, the kingdom man, the man who wants to work the hardest and set the best example he can for his family. Revelation 7, 14 to 17 says, and I said to him, and this is regarding the great tribulation, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. My soul just shook when I read the shepherd will lead them to the living fountains of waters. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But I share that verse for the last part, but I wanted to read it in as much context as I could, where it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And children of y'all, it's important to remember that with the walk of Christ comes a lot of pain and a lot of suffering for the glory of the kingdom. You know, some of you, the pain is going to be in the soul ties, And the great tribulation will bring that to a head and God will wipe away every tear from your eyes if you hold on to the faith. And there were some days going through the worst of my soul ties that I would wake up and it was hard to breathe. You know, I would literally wake up gasping for air like, you know, when my bond that I was hoping would work out with whoever it was when it was broken. Like I I would just, I would just be like, yo, how am I going to get through this pain another day when I can't even make it 
another five minutes. Like I would literally choke and gasp for air. And children of y'all, that's that's the 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 stronghold of a soul tie. And I didn't want to say power because I don't like giving these things power. A soul tie, when it's not ordained by God, is very, very demonic. And there's a saying that says, your rejection is God's protection. You know, most of the soul ties we create were from people uh, God never intended for us to be with. And sometimes God allows the separation as a way of protecting you from them. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 5, 3 to 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And children of Yah, the severing of these ties mean only one thing. You ready for this? I'm going to share it with you. God wanted to take you to a place where the other person could not go. If you were on the losing end of a soul tie, God wants to do something with you. I can promise you that. And if you're the type of person you just go through heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak, I'm going to encourage you. Do not allow those tribute, that tribulation, that trial, that heartbreak, do not allow it to turn you into a cynic and never trust ever again. I promise you, it is the one thing that will keep you away from the kingdom. And it is the one thing that will keep you away from trusting God. And the soul ties children of y'all are one thing that most of the time it keeps us from not only moving on from the past, but also keeps us from understanding why a better future in the area of love always evades us. You know, I went into, I went into, uh, uh, all of this a little bit in my episode, like I said, regarding the truth about, uh, no sex before marriage, but once again, I'll reiterate. I'll reiterate in this next this next point. When we choose to have sex with someone, I want you to listen very carefully, children. Now. Whenever we choose to have sex with someone, there's an intertwinement of the souls. And that's why people always feel a pull toward each other after having sex, especially women, because that intertwinement is the marriage that they form between you by conjoining flesh and becoming one body. Two flesh becoming one is more literal than you think, children of y'all. But the problem is this. You know, most people, despite it being a biblical truth, don't see it that way. You know, they believe that marriages, the expensive flashy engagement rings, tuxedos and gowns, cake, reception, ceremony, saying I do in front of an ordained pastor, organs and and music, flower girls, bridesmaids, groomsmen. They think that the actual wedding is this. 
However, the Bible speaks nothing of this. And as a result of following false doctrine, it has warped our understanding of how sex and soul ties are perceived and trying to chase after what we truly want, which is a partner that God has chosen for us to pursue the kingdom with. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And with that, we're supposed to pursue our part. Uh, um, we're supposed to pursue. Um, God first. The way we're supposed to pursue our partners is not to pursue them first, children of Yah, but rather to seek first the kingdom regarding whether or not they are the partners for us. And most of the time we choose our partners and then we pray to God afterwards. God, if he ain't the one, take him away from me. God, if it's not you, let me know. I need to know because I'm really feeling this girl. I'm wondering, is she, is she the one for me, man? Or like, look, I, I, I don't know. You know, I've been so hurt in my past. Let me know. And I don't mock. I've had these same thoughts too. So I'm right along with you. But most of the time, children of y'all, by that point, we already know that we're on the verge of catching feelings for that person by the time we make that prayer. And usually in today's society, most people, they have sex by the second and third date of seeing each other. And a lot of Christians, they don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about our sex lives openly. We don't like to be transparent. You know, well, I'm a good Christian man. I'm a good Christian woman. You're a good Christian man and Christian woman with feelings and sexual desires. And that's okay. God made us to have sexual desires. But the important thing is we have to contain these desires in the sanctity of a marriage in the bedroom. The devil found a very sneaky way of perverting it through media and entertainment and music and movies. He found a very sneaky way to pervert the sin of fornication. Now people willingly have sex with each other and they don't understand why they're in so much pain. Soul ties, children of Yah, soul ties. But I digress. So, you know, after most people have sex by the second or third date, assuming, you know, things eventually they get complicated and then they, find, they start finding out about uh, the other person, things and they start to see things down the road that they don't like. And then they end up splitting most of the time. And then they're left feeling bummed out, voided. In other words, meaning they feel like the other person, like I said earlier, took a piece of them when they left. And 10 out of 10, children of Yah, that other piece that the other person took is due to what is called a soul tie. So the question is, you know, what happens afterwards? Well, what what's the only thing that we could do? We move on. Or at least we try to. You know, we find someone else who can hopefully do better than that last person, only to find out most of the time that they've been through the same vicious cycle that we've been through with partners and that there is a tie and a part of them is attached to the past. Whether or not they want to admit it. And how do we know this? 
They'll carry it out in the form of baggage. You know, they'll give you the same disappointment that got that they got from the last relationship. And they'll even set the bar even higher as far as expectations in the union. Well, the last guy did me dirty. You're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. Like, like, like I, I I've had past soul ties where the other person they set the bar unrealistically higher like they wanted me they wanted me to fit this image of that last person and children this is how you could tell a person's not really over someone if these expectations they don't come out of nowhere it's usually from the last person they think oh you gotta you gotta surpass what they did you got to set the bar even higher and you got to always consistently hit it. And children of y'all, it's not realistic. And even if you try and if you even, even if you have a low self-esteem, you say, you know, what, I'm going to meet those expectations. What ends up happening is you end up burning yourself out. And because they don't make the decision to move on in their hearts, you burn yourself out. And they resent you deeper and deeper and deeper. And then it turns into a really nasty argument. And the argument typically goes this. You have to let go of your past. Your past. I am not one of those men. I am not one of those women you were with in the past. This is why women take it to heart when they ask a guy, so how many women have you been with before me? Children of God, you got to understand that is a spiritual question. They want to know how many women did you tie your souls with in the past? It's not about your experience in the dating world. It's about how many, it's about how many other women have a piece of you. Women, they want to feel like they're the exclusive package. They want to feel like they can have all of you. If you don't believe me, Genesis 3.16 basically sums it up in the last part where it says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Women are always going to have this desire for a man and they don't like it when a man tells them they've been with the number of women. They want all of you spiritually and typically women know that when a man has been with multiple women, there's always a form of baggage involved. There's always more and more baggage. Like, oh, I gotta look. I gotta look forward to crazy baby mamas. I gotta look forward to crazy ex girlfriends. I know that one girl is gonna call you out of the blue at two a.m. or she's gonna send you the hey text message. What you doing? How you been? And you know, trying to trying to open up that door. Maybe she saw some pictures on Facebook and decided, I don't really want him, but I just want to control him because I know he thinks about me crazy. You know, those types of thoughts, they go through a woman's head and a woman does not want to think about that. And the same goes for guys, too, mainly in the area of cheating. You know, there are certain things that when a guy is with a woman and they've been intimate, there are certain things that a woman likes to a woman does to a man that the man likes and i'm gonna just keep it g-rated but what ends up happening is when it when a guy thinks about the woman cheating and how she has a desire to please uh him he can't stand the thought 
of her doing what she does in the area of intimacy to another man. And so this is the dangerous game of a soul tie, children of y'all. This is the dangerous game. You know, I've had soul ties that they had soul ties with people from 15 years ago, 20 years ago that they have never dealt with in the spirit. And I'm going to dive into that portion a little bit later. But the end result is that such a union most of the time fails anyway because of a lack of closure of the past. Now, you know, before you... uh, Before you guys go on, I should say that there are other components to the entanglement that need to be spoken of, but I only want to focus on the aspect of the soul tie. And now, here are the spiritual consequence, you know, here's the spiritual consequence and comeuppance of the soul tie. You ready for this, children? Y'all watch this. You take on the other person's demons and they take on yours especially if they're in secret. And it doesn't matter what their social status is or how much money they have or how fortunate they are. The condition of their heart is the only thing that matters in a soul tie. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Shaq? Well, let's look at it this way. Have you ever not struggled with certain things in your life until after you've met and been with another person sexually, only then did you notice that certain issues popped up seemingly out of nowhere. And I just want to give a little disclaimer. Nowhere am I encouraging any of you to have sex without the intention of marriage. But what happens is in the body, we all have this flesh. We all have sexual desires. And we all like to pretend that these sexual desires aren't there. We Christians, we don't like to talk about that. We want to always appear like we're holier than thou. The Bible says to confess your trespasses to one another that you may be healed. That's why I believe in so much transparency. Because with transparency, the devil can't say that he can rule this part of my life in secret. Whenever I try to give a message, the devil can't say, you remember what you did last year. You remember all the women you were with and how they said you were a clown and they said you would never amount to anything. The devil can never do that because I'm putting it out there on purpose. Transparency. But have, but I digress. You know, have you ever struggled with that, children of y'all? You know, you say, I don't know where this came from. I never used to struggle with blank, blank, blank until I started dating this person, and I don't know why. You know, say, for example, you weren't much of a drinker, but you met and slept with someone who was, and now all of a sudden, you have a taste for alcohol, a taste that you never really had before, and then it slowly became an addiction, and then it turned into a stronghold in your your life, and you never realized the spiritual component to it. And that's because there was a stronghold within the person you were with that you never knew about before you slept with them. And when you did, it was a way of becoming one body with them. And now their problems became yours and your problems became theirs. And children, yeah, that's why it's important to seek first the kingdom of God regarding that person 
and to inquire of the Holy Spirit about them and to use that discernment to act accordingly. In other words, children of y'all, know who you're laying with. Don't just ask them questions. Test their spirits. You test the spirit with the spirit. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. I believe that this applies to, to men too because I know that there are some women out there, a lot of women out there, who they fall for the charm of a man and they fall for uh, his attractiveness. But if he don't fear the Lord, she's going to be led into a ditch. She's going to be led into a soul tie. She's going to be led into a stronghold. And she's going to constantly feel like she has no way out. That's why when all her girlfriends, when she tells them about the man she's with, and they say, well, girl, why don't you leave him? She can't because their souls are intertwined. In the biblical context, that is a marriage. But 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And children, I said those two verses because not everyone is who they claim to be. And you have to look beyond what they say. First John 4, 1 says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Romans 3, 4 says, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and you may overcome when you are judged. And this is true, especially for men, children of y'all, because it's incredibly easy, and I say this with all due respect and adoration to the women, but it's incredibly easy to tell a woman whatever she wants to hear in order to get something from her. And then the women decide that they love what they hear, so they give that particular guy whatever he wants if he's earned it. And I'm sorry to say, children of y'all, that this is a lousy way to choose a partner. It works with guys too. It even worked with me. How easy is it to meet a partner who says, yeah, I'm Christian too. And then you mention the Bible and they say, I despise the Bible. The Bible is an old rotten book. It's time for a new age. These are some of the things I've heard from partners. These are some of the things I've heard some of my partners told me. Lousy. And I formed soul ties with these people because I didn't use the spiritual discernment. I didn't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I didn't seek first the kingdom regarding the choice to even be with them. I just went with, they said they were Christian. They said they believed that Jesus is Lord. So obviously that has to be enough, right? Wrong. Jesus said, many will say to me that they were mine. And then I'm going to tell them, depart from them. I never knew you. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But who? Those who do the Father's will. It's too easy to answer questions and pretend to be something you're not. And you might be able to keep up with it for a while until the time comes when you're going to have to expose your character. Your character is going to be tested. 
whether voluntarily or involuntarily. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22 to 23, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What does this mean, children of Yah? Jesus is basically saying the eyes are the windows to the soul. So you have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into looking into their eyes, into their souls to see what is there. And I'm especially saying this to the women. Women pay close attention. And when you do this, you might find out that the guy might struggle with demonic strongholds. They might struggle with double-mindedness. They might struggle with adultery, fornication, a spirit of Jezebel. They might, they might struggle with a spirit of drunkenness. They might struggle with a spirit of bearing false witness. They might not tell you the whole truth until you force them into a specific corner that tests that spirit of adultery, that exposes that spirit of Jezebel, that exposes that spirit of drunkenness or double-mindedness. And then that's when most of these guys will fold, and the same goes for the women. The same goes for the women, everybody. If I struggle with the spirit of, of drunkenness and you start asking me questions about being addicted to alcohol, so how much a night do you drink? Oh, I, 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 have a, I have a couple of drinks. Now, mind you, say, for example, this is a Christian asking me this, a Christian woman asking me this on the day. So, uh, you know, how much is a couple of drinks exactly? Oh, I only have uh, a, 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 cu a couple glasses. Oh, really? What do you like to drink? Uh, you know, just, 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 just regular court, just regular courts. Like how often do you drink? Uh, uh, um, you know, just a couple of beers a night. You have a couple of beers a night and you're a Christian. Don't judge. Only God, only God can judge me. You see how uncomfortable it gets? That's one way to test the spirit. Test the spirit with the spirit. You can ask questions, but the goal isn't to hear the answers to the questions. The goal is to expose the spirit. So women, I'm going to encourage you. Men too. I'm going to encourage you. Try to find a way. Look in someone's eyes. Don't exactly call it out. Look in someone's eyes into their soul and see what is there. And don't exactly call it out. Don't say you're a drunk man or you're a drunk woman or you're too loose out here. Don't do that. You ask them questions. Ask them questions that expose the spirit. The goal isn't exposure. I mean, the goal isn't humiliation. The goal is to find out if they are who they say they are. It's too easy to answer questions, but it's hard to answer questions when they touch on a pain point. If you're two Christians in a date, on a date, and you struggle with the spirit of fornication, you're going to have a hard time addressing some of those questions that expose that part of your spirit. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, 
outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And children of Yah, any one of these things will be easy to spot from a woman or man with the spirit inside them. You say, well, how exactly do you get this? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the answer right here, children of Yah. You have to surrender your heart and your mind to Jesus. Turn your heart into an, a repentant heart and allow yourself to believe in something that supersedes this natural realm we call earth, which is the Holy Spirit. But if you yourself struggle with soul ties, children of Yah, then I'm going to encourage you to pray for them and fast over them. Bind your flesh so that the soul tie will eventually break. Anoint yourself with the oil because it says in the book of Isaiah, the anointing oil destroys the yoke. The yoke of a soul tie must be broken before you can truly be free. And then you must plead the blood of Jesus over the ties and ask the Lord to sever them through the prayer, through the fasting, and through, most importantly, submitting to his will. Soul ties are incredibly demonic, children of Yah, and they keep us from living in bondage to a past that, number one, no longer serves us. Number two, confuses and torments us into receiving a spirit of infirmity. Number three, steals our priesthoods so that we may no longer serve God the way he desires us to serve him. James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of people like to chop off the first part, therefore submit to God. People like to say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You got to read the verse in full context. See, we all want to resist the devil, but nobody wants to submit to Jesus. And that's another thing too. Mention Jesus many, many times throughout the person you date, children of Yah, and see how the name of Jesus irritates them. See how the name of Jesus irritates them. Demons are naturally going to flee and manifest from a vessel that is full of darkness if you say the name Jesus. When I was in the world, the name Jesus made me feel very, very uncomfortable, and I couldn't say it for a long time until I gave my heart to Jesus. Now I can say his name freely because there's a tremendous power in the name of Jesus. You know, there's a reason why when worldly unsaved people hear the name of Jesus, it makes them uncomfortable. Why? I'll tell you why. It's because the demons themselves are scared of Jesus. They know who he is. They know who he is in the spirit. And when you have Jesus with you and in you, children of Yah, the demons and others will manifest in ugly ways. And some of them will try to knock you off your road. And you say, uh-uh, 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 I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You're not going to have any part of this. And children of y'all, part of a soul tie connection means that these demons have a legal access to spy on you, to watch you, and to make sure that you never break free of the spell and be a kingdom man or woman. 
There's a verse in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 6.14 that says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And like I said, part of a soul tie connection, part of having sex with someone without the intention of being married, or maybe with the intention of being married very quickly, that means if this person is not of God, demons now have a legal access to your soul through them. You dating an alcoholic? You may not struggle with the spirit of drunkenness, but you might struggle with a spirit of lust. You might struggle with homosexuality because that's how it works. These demons, children of Yah, it's like a game of football. When you watch a game of football, all the defend all the defenders they swarm around the ball carrier and they try to gang tackle him as much as possible. It's not just one tackler most of the time. But it's two, three, five, six, and seven people on top of that one guy who has the ball. Children of y'all, you have the ball. What are you going to do when the, def- when the defense comes after you? When the defense converges on you? Are you going to hang tough? Are you going to keep your priesthood? Are you going to bust the juke, bust the spin? Are you going to evade? You got to protect your spirits, children of Yah. You got to protect your spirits. So don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But when we ignore this biblical principle, believe it or not, it's a rebellion against God's word. It says in 1 Samuel 15, 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now, I know this is what Samuel said to King Saul. That is the true context of it, but it also works with priesthood. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you've forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. So rebellion, children of Yah, is not a place to be if we want the Lord to bless us and our unions. And if we have children, and if we desire to have children, if we desire to be married, in an ordained marriage by God and have children, we have to make sure that they're protected. How many of us have lived painful lives because of the choices our parents made? How many, how many single parents are out there? How many of you grew up by single parents? How many of you always felt like you were dealing with a pain that had nothing to do with you? And some of your parents aren't single. Some of your parents are very much together, but they abandon the priesthood. They abandon the priesthood. And because of that, you're dealing with bloodline curses that existed long before you. But praise be to God, God chose you to break the strongholds. He chose you to break the spells. And for these spells to no longer have dominion over you, including the soul tie the demonic soul tie. And some of us, we're fortunate to, for, to, to have God-ordained partners, but we have a past 
of numerous demons through soul ties that hinder our growth with our partners. You know, some of these soul ties, they stay with us for years, not only because we love these people, but because we don't know how to sever them. I said not only, but I meant not because we love them, but because we don't know how to sever them. We don't know how to get rid of them. We might choose a, a natural solution to a spiritual problem. We might choose yoga. We might choose meditation. We might choose therapy. And no matter how much we try to be better people without the blood of Jesus, it's like the gnat at a barbecue that won't leave us alone. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the only ones who can give us the power to break free. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32 and 36. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Therefore, jumping ahead, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Children of Yah, the more we fill our hearts with him, with Jesus, the more he fills us with restoration, with healing, with rest, with peace. And we can't just say it or sing it in church and then go back to the same worldly stuff, the same worldly soul ties that we just pled the blood of Jesus over in two hours of church. We have to truly believe in our hearts that we can and will be free. Mark 16, 17 through 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Children of Yah, the signs of freedom, especially from soul ties, will follow you if you only believe that your priesthood holds more power in Jesus than in yourself. Like I said earlier, no worldly solutions will work for spiritual problems. Yoga won't work. Meditation won't work. Medication won't work. Therapy won't work. And one quick word about therapy. Therapy might provide a temporary Band-Aid, but check this out. Demons don't fear therapy. They fear Jesus. Just like Legion. Legion feared Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 and 6 through 10. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, speaking on the demonically possessed man that Jesus met, who had, a, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. Imagine seeing someone so demonically possessed that they break handcuffs. And the shackles broken in pieces, neither anyone could tame him. Jumping ahead, when Jesus saw him from afar, he ran and worshipped him because he had a desire to be free, children of Yah. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For Jesus said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he also begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Legion feared Jesus, children of Yah. 
Demons fear Jesus. They don't fear yoga. In fact, yoga helps. Yoga manifests more demons because yoga in and of itself is demonic. Satan can't cast out Satan, children of y'all. Smoking won't work. Drinking won't work. Depression meds don't work. Anxiety meds don't work. All of that is the devil's sorcery, children of y'all. The only thing that will set you free is Jesus. James 2.19, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. And children of Yah, your prayer is the one thing that the demons do not want you to submit into. Why? Because there's tremendous power in prayer. Sometimes we say a prayer, we don't even know how powerful it is. We don't even know what we're saying. We just say, sometimes we just, let's, I mean, be honest. Sometimes we say a prayer just to say it, just to say we prayed. But we don't realize how much dominion and priesthood and how much authority is in the prayer. The book of Job says, behold, I will decree a thing and it will be established before my ways. I don't know what it says verbatim, but I know it says that in the book of Job. You might say, I don't know how to pray, Shaq. How do I pray? I'll tell you how right here. John 14, 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. That's the Holy Spirit, children of Yah, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So even if you don't know how to pray, I'm going to say this in closing. Even if you don't know how to pray, children of y'all, just pray. Just pray. The Holy Spirit will be your translator. And if the Holy Spirit senses your repentant heart and sees that your mind is set on the things of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf and ask the Father to restore you. But you have to have a repentant heart. You can't say, Father God, please forgive me, and then go right back to the world. You can't say, Father God, please forgive me, and then lust after all these women. You can't say, Father God, please forgive me, and then go right back to harlotry on Facebook. You can't say, Father God, please forgive me, And then go back to posting a thousand selfies, trying to seduce and entice men to look at you and be hypnotized by your beauty. You have to have a repentant heart. You have to lay all of these things at the cross. You have to lay your flesh at the cross. You have to sacrifice yourself for the kingdom, children of Yah. And the Father will restore you. He will. So just pray. Pray. 
Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. The soul ties will be broken in Jesus' name. The soul ties will not have dominion over you in Jesus' name. The soul ties are nothing in comparison to your identity in Christ in Jesus' name. The soul ties were the one thing, the one desperate attack that the devil tried to use on you to keep you from receiving the great commission and doing one of the greatest works that have ever been done in mankind. And some of you are sitting on that. Some of you are having a very difficult time getting over that soul tie. Some of you are having a very difficult time not not realizing that the soul tie was meant to blind you because God wanted to do something special with you. God wanted to use you. God wanted to use you for a miracle. God wanted you to be someone else's miracle. God wanted you to perform signs and wonders. And the devil used that soul tie to blind you so much that you thought about it day and night and didn't understand why it had to be you. But it had to be you because you are part of the kingdom. The greatest saints, the greatest servants, the greatest prophets to ever walk this earth are the ones who went through a tremendous amount of hurt, including our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. So just pray, children of y'all. If this is you, just pray. And if it's not you, pray for those who struggle with soul ties. Intercede on their behalf. Help them become free. Help your brothers and sisters be set free. Lay hands on them. Pray with them. Cry with them. Go to war with them. Ask the Father to send his warring angels on their behalf to fight for them. Your brothers and sisters need you. Those of us who struggled with soul ties, for those of you who didn't, we need you. We need your prayer. We need we need your dominion. We need you to surround us and restore us. Restore us. Restore us, children of Yah. Restore us. So just pray. Guys, that's all I have for tonight. I hope this was a good episode. Don't forget to subscribe. I'm always coming out with episodes on a weekly basis. I pray that you guys go sow in Jesus' name, go grow in Jesus' name. You can email me at yahwirise at gmail.com. You can also reach my Instagram handle. It's yahwirise. Um, I'm also on Facebook, too. You can find me through Yahweh Rise Podcast, or you can find me through my name, Shaquan Woody. Guys, no longer will this have dominion over us. Let's be set free, and let's become kingdom. I love you guys. God bless you all, and have a good evening. Thank you.